0: Hello, and welcome to Tiny Vampires, a podcast about disease, science, and blood sucking insects. A member of the Agora Podcast Network. <laughs> episode 26. How do tick bites cause red meat allergies? I'm Raven Forrest Friscalzo, your host. Today's topic was a collective ask from the Tiny Vampire's Facebook followers, and it's a pretty wild ride. There's a mysterious meat allergy killing people in Australia, a cancer medication that can't be used on certain people based solely on where they live, and an unusual type of cat allergy in Sweden. I'm going to do something a little different with this episode and get into the paper first. It's a real detective story, so I don't want to ruin it with all the facts that come after. Of course, this is kind of like the movie Titanic. We all already know how it ends, but the story is still fun anyway. Our detective story was written by the detective herself, Dr. Cheryl Van Noonan. She's a professor and the director of the Tick-Induced Allergies Research and Awareness Center in Sydney, Australia. In 2003, she started seeing patients who were having massive allergic reactions in the middle of the night. This caught her attention because night is a pretty weird time to go into anaphylaxis. Most allergic reactions happen during the day when people are eating, interacting with animals, and so on. Once the patients were stabilized and feeling better, they were interviewed. The first question was, what were you doing when you had this reaction? Some people can develop allergies to semen or latex and condoms, but the patients hadn't had sex that night. Next was the medication they were taking before bed. Not that either. She asked if they were bitten or stung by any insects. They all mentioned that they had been bitten by ticks, but not that night. With some patients, it was days before the reaction, and for others, it was months before. So she asked them to bring in the food that they had been eating before going to bed. Methodically, she listed the ingredients in each food item, then used that list to conduct a skin prick test. In this skin prick test, a little bit of each ingredient was liquefied. A drop of that liquid was put onto their skin, and then a tool was used to scratch the liquid into the skin. After 15 minutes, Van Noonend saw that the only ingredient her patients were reacting to was the meat. Over years of interviewing her patients carefully, listening, and seeing allergic reactions to meat, she decided to test her hypothesis that there was some connection between these tick bites and the development of a meat allergy, which is our paper today, An Association Between Tick Bite Reactions and Red Meat Allergies in Humans, published back in 2009. To determine if there was a connection, she collected the records of 25 patients with me allergies and looked at the results from two types of tests. The first was a simple but reliable skin prick test, where she looked at the reaction to beef, pork, lamb, and game animals like kangaroos. This is Australia, after all. Rabbits or venison. Then the other test was the results from an immunofluorescent assay, which can typically tell the medical team exactly how allergic a patient is. For this test, they looked at beef, pork, and mutton. Immunofluorescent assays are pretty similar to a method that we talked about before in previous episodes, so don't get intimidated by the ridiculously long name. What this assay is testing for is antibodies. Antibodies are molecules made in an animal's body to help that animal's immune system recognize pathogens. They're made specifically to attach to one type of pathogen. The antibodies that are responsible for most allergies are the immunoglobulin E, or IgEs for short. They are the three-year-olds of the immune system world. Just like a three-year-old, they take something completely harmless and totally overreact to it, causing everything around it to shut down until they get their way. In the case of a three-year-old child, it's you not letting them put their coat on backwards that makes them flip out. In the case of IgE's, It's pollen or dust or a bit of kangaroo meat. IgEs cause all of the typical allergy symptoms. Put a pin in that symptoms list and we'll get back to it later. The immunofluorescent assay they used determined if there were any beef-specific IgEs in the patient's blood by using other antibodies to their advantage. In biology, when we want something to stick to something on a molecular level, we use antibodies. They only stick to the things they have been made to stick to, and they don't let go. The Noonan needed to pull all the IgEs out of the patient's blood so that she could see them more clearly. To do this, all she had to do was buy test tubes with antibodies that stick to IgE's glued to the side. The patient's blood would be swirled around inside this tube, and all the IgE's would stick to these glued antibodies. The rest of the blood would be dumped out, and she's left with just the tube, the antibodies, and the IgE's. Now, there are three problems. One, you can't see the IgE's because they're microscopic. Two, even if you could see them, it wouldn't help because they are all IgEs, not just the ones that cause the overreaction to beef. If this person had, say, grass allergies, there would be IgEs to grass in there as well. And three, even if you could see them and you knew which ones were overreacting to beef, you wouldn't know how many there were. She solved all three of these problems with one solution, another antibody. This antibody attaches to the portion of the IgE that is specific to beef with one end and has a fluorescence or glowing bit on the other end. Once the extras were rinsed out of the tube, we can see everything we need to see. So, to recap, it's a series of layers going from outside in. First there's the tube. Then there's an antibody that attaches to any IgE. Then there's an IgE that reacts to beef from the patient's blood. Then another antibody with a little glowing molecule at the end. If the contents of the tube are glowing, Then Van Noonan knew that her patient had an allergy to beef. The brighter it grew, the more beef-specific IgEs were in the patient's blood, meaning that they would have a more severe reaction. Then she went back and repeated the process for mutton and pork just the same way she did with beef. After going through the patient's records and the patient's history of tick bites, then Noonan felt that she had enough evidence to propose that there was some connection between these two. The paper doesn't say who funded her work, but by really listening to her patients, she had made a connection that no one had made before. Meanwhile, in the US, an allergy immunologist named Scott Cummins was noticing something strange. A cancer drug called cetuximab, was causing allergic reactions in patients being treated for metastatic colorectal cancer, squamous cell cancers of the head, neck, and skin, and small cell lung cancer. But these allergic reactions were only happening in the southeast. After some research, they figured out that it was one molecule in the medication that was the root of the problem. It was a sugar molecule found only in mammals, except for old-world monkeys and great apes, like humans. The source of the sugar was the cloned mouse cells used to create the medication. They started overlapping a map of all the patients allergic to cetuximab with other diseases to see if there was some kind of connection, and it started to overlap perfectly with diseases carried by ticks, starting them down this path. That is, until another paper came out from a lab in Sweden. A researcher named Van Haig was looking into a strange form of allergy to cats when they discovered that the specific molecule from the cats the patient's IgEs were overreacting to was a sugar called alpha-gal. This was pretty strange, because most of the time, antibodies like IgE's react to proteins, not sugars. This got the Swedes curious, and they set out looking for a cause. What could be introducing this sugar that is from other mammals into human beings? That's when they discovered the alpha-gal molecule in the saliva of a tick. Finally, it all came together. Remember I said to put a pin in the allergy symptoms that are caused by IgEs? Well, here's how it goes. Ticks were biting other mammals, like possums, per se, taking the alpha-gal from its blood. These alpha-gal sugars were still in the tick when they bit their human host. For most people, there would have been no reaction, but for an unlucky few, it started a cascade. When the patient's immune cells came along, they reacted to the alpha-gal by churning out alpha-gal-specific IgE antibodies. These IgEs were picked up by two other types of immune cells, basophils and mast cells. These cells are like bombs. The IgEs act as primers. This whole process isn't fast enough to react to the first introduction of alpha-gal, but the combination of the IgE and the mast cell or basophil means that they're ready to explode at the first sign of alpha-gal introduction. So then, the first alpha-gal was introduced by this tick, which causes the patient's immune system to produce. IgEs. The IgEs attached to these basophils and mast cells and stayed in their system. Then the poor patient ate some meat. While it's often called a red meat allergy, it really should be called a mammal meat allergy. A bite of white meat pork or red meat beef would cause exactly the same reaction. As the meat was digested, the fat containing the alpha-gal sugars dissolved. And it was absorbed into the patient's lymphatic system and then absorbed into the bloodstream. This process takes a while, and that's why the reaction that Van Noonan was seeing in her patients wasn't happening until hours after they ate the meat. Waiting there, in the blood, are those mast cells and basophils primed with the IgE, and they detonate as soon as they hit the alpha-gal in the bloodstream. Inside each one are molecules called vasoactive amines. Any word with vaso means that it has something to do with interacting with the veins. But these molecules interact with much more than just the veins. They cause smooth muscles to relax. Smooth muscles aren't the ones that you think of when you're like working out, They're the ones that make the food flow through your digestive tract. Your capillaries contract when it's cold outside, turning your fingers blue, or relax when it's hot outside, making your face turn red. When your veins relax, they get leaky, for lack of a better word. The fluid in the patient's blood moves out of the veins and into the surrounding tissue, causing that tissue to swell. Our patient's immune system thinks this is a good thing, because it's convinced that there are parasites lurking in these tissues, and the big fat immune cells that need to be able to get out of the veins and into those tissues need big fat gaps in the walls. In reality, the alpha-gal sugars aren't big bad parasites. They're completely harmless. The result of all this leaking into the surrounding tissue is massive swelling, hives, and constricted airways. The patient's other smooth muscles relax too, causing their pupils to become tiny and their bowels and bladder to release. Because of all this relaxation, the patient's blood pressure drops because the fluid inside their veins is no longer inside their veins. Less fluid means less pressure. And that makes their heart rate slow down. If nothing is done to reverse this situation, the patient goes into shock and dies. This cascade of events I just described is called anaphylaxis. If you know someone with a serious allergy, much of this will sound familiar to you. You might already know what to do if you see someone going through this. You inject them with epinephrine, most commonly known in the U.S. as the EpiPen. Epinephrine is a hormone naturally made by our bodies. It's also called adrenaline. A natural adrenaline rush is caused by some extreme stimulus, sending your body into, quote, fight-or-flight mode. If you're being attacked by someone, you want your body to be ready to fight that person or to run away from them. This means your heart needs to get lots of blood to your arms and legs, And you need to be able to breathe fast and get rid of all of the CO2 your muscles are going to be producing, and you need to stop putting your energy into doing things like digesting. In short, you need to constrict all of your smooth muscles. When you're in your fight or flight mode, it overrides everything else that's going on in your body, including whatever madness your IgEs are getting up to. This is why a shot of adrenaline can reverse all of the symptoms of anaphylaxis to save the lives of our patients from their tick-induced meat allergy. If you want to hear more about Cheryl Van Noonan and her impressive investigative techniques, the Medical Journal of Australia has a podcast where they actually interviewed her earlier this year. I'll be posting a link on the Facebook page and on Twitter. Next month, in the first episode of the year, we'll be learning if collecting firewood increases or decreases the risk of Lyme disease in an area, which is a topic requested by Ben Snow of Biosphere Solutions. December's Agora Podcast of the Month is not a podcast, but actually an entire radio network. The Tudor Radio Network is the world's first station devoted to transporting you to the 16th century. No matter where you are in space or time, if you are on TutorRadionetwork.com, you'll be listening to original programming, your favorite Tudor podcasts, and 16th century music. So on the tiny vampire side of things. We haven't had a new review on Apple Podcasts in a while, so I'm running my t-shirt prize again. If you review Tiny Vampires English or Espanol between now and the end of February, you'll be in the running to win a Tiny Vampires t-shirt or mug. They're organic cotton in loose or fitted cuts and are super stylish with our red, white, and black logo. Let us know what you think of the show, good or bad, or in between. Even if you just say that we have the coolest name in all of science podcasting, or that our logo creeps you out, it all helps us make a better show. Thanks for listening. From me, Raven Forest Frisgelto.